Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's my favorite thing when a podcast starts with a good laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So Always good. good. Uh, Welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. This week, I'm so excited to have Andrea Austin on the episode. And I also just want to take a few minutes to say um, thank you to the listeners. So we are very quickly creeping up to a thousand listens, which is really, really exciting. So for those of you who are out there listening and letting me know what the episodes mean to you and how you resonate with them it's the whole reason for doing this podcast is knowing that it's connecting with people. So I'm so grateful to you. And if you are listening and it means something to you and you can share with someone, I would so appreciate it because I would love to be able to get to a thousand listens by like middle of May. My birthday's my birthday's May the 8th. So it would be an amazing birthday present. (laughs) So maybe we can put that challenge out there to the universe and to everyone who's listening. um, Because women's voices and stories matter. And the more we share those stories and the varied and beautiful voices of all of the women who are being so open and transparent on the show the more we make space for people to be seen and heard and understood. So it's not really, it's about the number, but it's not. It's about having people hear and see themselves. So you can now hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and I am actively working to get on all the other podcast platforms as well. So some exciting updates coming. So... For this week's episode, Andrea, uh, we happened to meet at the Awakening Energy event that happened in Collingwood in March, and our booths were side by side. And almost immediately, I felt a really lovely connection with you and your partner and the work that you were doing. So Andrea is the co-founder of My Conscious Wellness and The Love Evolution. So I'd love for you to tell us what... Tell us about the work of My Conscious Wellness and The Love Evolution. Ah, that's a loaded question, but I'll do my best (laughs) to simplify that. Uh, So given my background is in business, which I figured this story will Mm -hmm. fit right into transforming uh, 45, um, it's, it's hard for me to make sense to how did I end up, you know, in the standard corporate world into Love Evolution and My Conscious Wellness? To simplify it, I think there's always been an inner knowing, an intuitive sense, whatever that is, that the world was found, should be, is founded in love. But I I was kind of always felt like this kid looking around going, well, it's not there and it's not there and it's not there. And what I've come to recognize is really that the journey for myself was finding the love within myself and then building the foundation from there. 
So everything about my conscious wellness and love evolution, the two different platforms, my conscious wellness is the joint partnership of a community focusing on using uh, sound based vibrational tools to help us strengthen our connection to our inner knowing or intuitive side. Mm -hmm. And then love evolution is more of my own creation play space uh, because I'm in the process of finishing or completing a PhD in metaphysics. Mm. And so what I'm trying in this space is to get people to understand we, we are love, we are vibration, we are this connection to something bigger than just this human side. And so the love experiment is interestingly my podcast, but also my written space to express what I feel and have learned over my life. So those are the two organizations and why they're here. Okay. That's really fascinating. And I now have a thousand questions for you <laughs> around <laughs> metaphysics. But first, um, I want you to, so you alluded to some of your story at the beginning, because yes. when you are doing heart led and heart centered work, it's not just the work. It's part of yeah. you. It's your identity. And it is an encapsulation in many ways of your story. So tell me your story. What brought you to this work? Oh, my. Um, let me see if I can simplify it. I think very much like I alluded to at the beginning, I felt like most of my life I was searching for something outside of myself. Mm -hmm. So I would look within an organization to belong or to make a difference or to teach or learn from others. And it took many, many forms. I mean, I'm a former tax accountant. I taught accountants um, taxation across this country uh, at the University of Toronto. And then I, I taught kids how to swim when I was younger because I love water. And then, and then I had this whole passion for business, right? and learning about the nonprofit industry and how we helped each other. And it always had this uh, loving and helping others uh, flavor, which mm -hmm. I find typical with a lot of women in particular. But then I tried to play like the, sorry, I shouldn't laugh, the high corporate big business put on my $500 suit role, right? To mm -hmm. see if I could fit into that reality. And, and in, on so many levels, I didn't. And for me, uh, transparently, it actually made me pretty sick. Mm -hmm. um, on the outside, I may have looked like I had my shit together, as one might say, and then other people, uh, if they knew me, knew that I was really struggling on the inside. Mm -hmm. So for me, the transformational wake-up call um, was in my 40s. Mm -hmm. I was in the ideal, perfect location after one of the biggest projects I'd ever finished in my career. Uh, and so tired, I could barely get out of bed. And my my language would be my soul uh -huh. hovered above my body um, in the Turks and Caicos. And I was like I was on the ceiling fan looking down at myself. And I yelled, are you happy? Uh -huh. And that had been coming up a lot in my life. And it brought up a lot of anger and a lot of fear because I had built the life that I thought I should build to make myself happy, right? Mm -hmm. So the the dog, the house, the cottage, the husband, the two children, the paradox and the paradigm that my mental reality had told me or my external, doesn't matter, uh, created. And so I did that. 
And so in the eyes of many people, I was extremely successful and still am today, but genuinely there wasn't a happiness within myself. And so that was the kicker uh, in my 40s. Uh, I'm not surprised if lots of women and people are going through that at the same time. But what I've come to realize within my journey of the last 11 years now, because I'm turning 55 in May, mm-hmm. um, was that really what I lost for me was the journey of following the inner knowing of what I felt inside of me. Mm-hmm. And so I was constantly listening to the patterning that I'd been taught as a child or uh, had to be as the role as a parent and or um, what society I felt the role should be as a teacher, mother, brother, all those things, right? And realizing in hindsight, that is the false illusion. Uh It doesn't mean that we're not those things anymore. It's just what's driving our decisions. And so as I journeyed with my conscious wellness and some of the technological sound solutions, what I realized is as I could Mm -hmm. de-pattern my belief system, I could then grow a more nurturing belief system that was in alignment with myself. Mm -hmm. And that's where I believe true happiness resides within all of us. And so that's the short story. I mean, there's lots of beautiful, interesting complexities, uh-huh. but that's the inner knowing, I think, that I've come more deeply within myself to understand. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not an accident, right, that women in particular, I, humans of all, of all form, um, start to find themselves at a, at a certain age, some do it younger, some do it at, at, at all different phases, but there does seem to be a particular awakening that is happening right now. And that happens for women in their forties. And I, I have some ideas about why that starts to happen. And I'm interested to hear what your take on that is. Oh, wow. Um, I can only share my personal right? Mm-hmm. Perspective is I think oh, I somebody last week, maybe this is a good way to sum it up. The source of all anger is that we're not actually listening yeah. to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we try to fit into all the other things we think we should be. Mm-hmm. And so my mom used to say to me, I don't get it. I don't know why you're angry all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think on some level, I had that inner knowing that I wasn't listening and following what I truly Mm -hmm. felt inside. And so my language is there becomes a misalignment in our lives and our energies or however you want to describe that, right? Uh And the more we we get misaligned, the more uncomfortable it becomes. Uh And it's the discomfort that's the indicator to get back on course to what our lives want to be. Uh-huh. And, you know, if I look at my life, I, I could actually never see past the age of 35, which is intriguing unto itself. I had made the perfect plan that all came into manifestation by the time I was 35. And then when I woke up, I wasn't happy. And I thought, what the, ah, you know, you can swear and here. So, okay. I wasn't sure. Everybody's <laughs> podcast's a little different. 
<laughs> but I felt like, what the fuck, right? Mm -hmm. And so maybe 40 is a common age for women or people in particular. Um, I find men generally a little bit later, but the same thing kind of occurs uh -huh. where you kind of go, wait a second, I fit the paradigm and the paradox I thought I should be. And I'm waking up and I'm like, I'm not happy. And so we have a couple choice points, right? We can continue to get old and grouchy, which is an option. Uh -huh. I call it option B. Uh -huh. um, but option A is to actually start to question what we've been taught, what we've been shown and what we're listening to. Now, this isn't true for everybody, uh -huh. but it is true for a good, you know, percentage of the population, to be clear. Uh -huh. um, and it's interesting where we come into that realization and awakening within ourselves to begin to question our very existence. Uh -huh. Yeah, I want to go back to where you said I'd written the story up until I was about 35 years old. And that is my experience as well. And the more humans I talk to, or, you know, the more you start telling your story, other people will also start to come forward and say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Right. So we imagine, envision, manifest our lives up until what we have been programmed to do. Right. Young family, career relationships, however those look, but that is, that's the picture. And then you get there and then it, that is the question. Well, what the fuck is next? If I've done all of this and now I'm only like, I'm only feeling like I'm coming into myself now at this point, but I have right. written the story that I thought was going to be the story. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but the myth of the happy ending. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how harmful that stupid myth is, right? That you, you fight, you come to your, you have all of these struggles and building your life and then you get your happy ending. But that's not, that is not life. That is not reality. We continue to live, a, we continue to live our cycle. And that is the challenge of this incarnation and it is the joy. I always, I always, I think I talked about this on maybe my first episode, but I always wanted to know the ending of every book that I read. And if it got to a part where it was getting to be too stressful and I was like, oh God, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I would go and I would read the end so oh, wow. that I could give myself like space to breathe and know like, okay, I just have to get through this part and then it's going to be fine. And I have watched that pattern. Oh, yes. Yeah. I have watched that pattern play out in my own life. And I have a hypothesis that a lot of people are also in that cycle. Oh, my God. That's magical. <laughs> like, totally magical. Yeah. Because um, Bill and I, my partner and I, were having this conversation this morning, right? He's mm -hmm. in the process of creating something he never imagined mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's freudianly fun right mm -hmm. that he would actually be doing in this life but i keep getting and reminding him to enjoy the experience mm -hmm. and so what i've come to realize very much like you just said is there's some deep programming mm -hmm. <laughs> around happily ever after god look at disney alone mm -hmm. okay yep 
um, happily ever after instead of actually enjoying the highs and the lows of the ride. Uh So we have some very strong subconscious belief systems about the way life should be that are continually playing out. And when we're not in that, it causes extreme tension, (laughs) apprehension Uh within ourselves. And so if we could actually let go uh-huh. then everything would be a success. If, and um, I'm sure there'll be people punching me right now as they listen to this, but I get it, right? That that we could actually succeed just by living. Yes. And it doesn't mean it doesn't have, you know, trials and tribulations, but it's the lens and the perspective that we're seeing through. So like a really good example of that is I was bred literally to believe the house, the dog and the cottage would make me happy. Uh-huh. My interim solution, I negotiated with the universe, I call it, when I made a big step was to move from that into a bridge solution. Then I went to a renting solution because real estate for me was, you know, the safety net. Uh Then we moved to nothing. Like we literally went nomadic for a while. And what's interesting is, you know, the universe has brought us this adorable little place on a river. I didn't imagine this. I didn't try to create it. It just happened Uh because what's happening is like you said, I'm not creating from that belief system as much. I'm not the Virgin Mary um, (laughs) anymore Um, because I'm just allowing life to occur. And when you've been brought up in the belief systems of success and control, right, which I was very indoctrinated in and then allowing to surrender and let life flow and bring you that happiness. Uh-huh. It's a very different paradox. Wow. That's super interesting observation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. And listening to what you were saying, it makes me think about how we separate ourselves from who we truly are. Right. So we move from the internal to the external and we start to define ourselves by the roles that we play. Yes. And I think, that's where the danger really lies is when we begin to think that that role is who I am. Yeah. Right. So there are all kinds of roles that I play in my life. I'm a daughter. I am an educator. I am a mother. And for quite some time, I identified as those roles. Yep. And it was when Similarly, I started thinking like I have, I have, I have all of these things that I wanted and yet I cry to and from work in the car every day. (laughs) What's that about? (laughs) And, and coming to realize that I had taken my whole self and externalized it where I had to find my worth and my value in everything that was external to myself. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when we realize that we have made that schism where we've, you know, we've like, Good word. yeah, we've literally cut ourselves off from the truth of who we are. And then we have to go on this journey to find out who we are because we, we abandoned that and let it go in place of these roles. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, the the role that you said all the way through that has been hard for me to receive over the years 
given the life that I chose is to just accept that I am period. Mm -hmm. Like I am worthy period. I don't need to perform. I don't need to do anything. And the vision I got you'll laugh is I used to show up in the perfect role. I, I had the perfect mm -hmm. striped, you know, blonde hair with the perfect suit and I couldn't cry cause I was on the go train. So it was a lot harder. Yeah. Um, but I was dying uh -huh. inside and didn't realize that that was manifesting in my physical reality. Uh -huh. And so a number of years ago, when I started to realize that most physical ailments, not all, but many are caused by the manifestation of the misalignment of truth within ourselves. Uh -huh. I went, Oh God, that makes sense to me because I wasn't listening. Right. Uh -huh. I was filling the role. And it doesn't mean I'm not a mother. I mean, heck they're adorably 20 and 17 in the moment, but, but I'm not the mother. And my partner used to joke, the hardest transition I made was motherhood. Uh -huh. Um, when my kids would be around, it would like, I'd be go, go back to being a robot uh -huh. because that was the hardest one for me to let go of and still is at times. Right. Uh -huh. But it is the roles, the way you're defining that we've externally filtered ourselves into that I feel is providing the dissatisfaction inside ourselves. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, the tension that word that you used, tension, I think it's really key because when we really do tune in, we start to feel where that tension resides in our bodies, right? Which again, connects to that meta, the metaphysical component of when you start to listen and when you start to go inward, you do feel it in your physical body. And there's so much tension around the role of mother. And that is why it's such a difficult transition, right? There's yep. one minute you were one person and in literally a heartbeat, you are, you have a whole new identity. Yep. And the story is that you should just be able to do that flawlessly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I have a gorgeous redheaded sister that's going through a similar transition right now. Yeah. Very much defined herself as motherhood in a, in a very beautiful way. Mm -hmm. But both kids are gone and she's looking around going, oh, yeah. Like, who am I? Mm -hmm. Right. And it would be easy to fall back into that pattern by next waiting to become the grandmother or the grandfather or the aunt or the uncle mm -hmm. instead of trying to find ourselves. Yeah. And what is so fascinating is that when we start living our lives for other people so we become other people because of the defined role that we now find ourselves in and the story that has been written about that role it turns out we actually do a disservice to the people who are around us <laughs> apparently i haven't noticed <laughs> Already. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. it is so deeply ingrained in us to give yourself over to yep. the young humans that you've created and your partner and to just, you are now, you are now no, no longer your own identity. You are this, you are this family, you're this role. And we are taught to hide our actual selves from our children. Yep. 
what's interesting though is that when you start to show who you truly are to your kids they already know like they have seen through because kids are like that for the most part like they know the truth they are the truth they were born the truth <laughs> and when you start to show them it's it what's what humanizes the relationship it's what allows you to be able to have real true connection because they don't just see you as this thing. They see you as a human, just as I see them as a human, not as something that belongs to me. Yep. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think when my little humans were born, um, even at the age of three, I knew I couldn't be a traditional parental role. Um, not that I had any idea what to do with that in all transparency mm. and trust me, I tried. Um, but in hindsight, um, now that they're older, because I'm willing to share from my own sense of curiosity without judgment, getting to know who they are without trying to make them into what I believe mm -hmm. they should be, although I catch myself at times, um, there's a deepening in the relationship, right? With myself and with them. And what I heard as you said that is we don't realize that that's actually what gives our children permission to also be themselves. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they, I believe what I'm witnessing is continue to observe our behavior. And so when they become parents, they don't know how to do it either. And they're replicating the role uh -huh. of what they think they should be as parents rather than that true human to human, you know, soul to soul connection of love or imperfection or my language might be unconditional love uh -huh. um, to grow and create within themselves. So they repeat the pattern of the external creation right of what i think or that somebody else they should think should be and rather than tuning in to internally discovering and exploring what that is within themselves i mean you make me think of a question my oldest son said to me i left mom how do i know if i've chosen the right path and i said you'll never have a clue uh -huh. first off there's no right and wrong sweetheart it's all just a journey and a ride and second, you've got to just trust your gut instinct. Your gut told you that this is where you need to be and this is what you want to do. You got to trust that, but you also have to give yourself permission to get off that uh -huh. if it ever feels incorrect, because we also create that paradox too, right? Uh -huh. So it's deepened my relationship with my children in their later years that I can see lasting a lifetime because I've been willing to do my own some might say work, but my own reframing uh -huh. right, of who I am and then giving them by osmosis permission to do the same. Uh -huh. Yeah. Because when you set yourself free, you set everybody else around you free as well. Yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah. Great analogy. Uh -huh. And it's not, and because of our human history, it's not an easy thing to do. Be, just might be a little bit of enslavement <laughs> energy that exists all across the planet. So we give ourselves permission, right? Yes. To have, like, I try to make fun of it now. We'll see how I do, right? Um, I don't want to make it all that serious mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm trying to just recognize the intergenerational patterns, right? Within our families, within our society and go, Oh, did you like that? And, and have yeah. fun with saying, okay, maybe I might want to let that go and change that for myself and my family. So this isn't about mass world change, mm -hmm. but it might start, you know, with ourselves, which is the definition to me of awakening, mm -hmm. starting to be actually willing to see this world differently mm -hmm. through the eyes of love. Mm -hmm. And the eyes of fun. It's interesting. This <laughs> has been a little bit of a theme of conversation that's been happening in my week. And that is, it's supposed to be fun, right? It, it's not always because, you know, we're, things are cyclical and, and it's, you know, it's not supposed to be that serious. It's supposed to be fun and joyful. And some of the work is getting to that. Yeah, I think joyful for me still sometimes can be a stretch because uh -huh. I was a pretty serious cat. Uh -huh. um, but what I do see is if we continue to focus on it being serious and dramatic and traumatic uh -huh. and all those things, which I'm not debating, some of it has been downright shitty. Absolutely. Okay? Um, then I'm just questioning whether we're perpetuating more of the same. Uh -huh. So it's just learning to take it lighter, more fun, maybe play with it and make fun of it. Like whatever that is for whoever's listening. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, the drama and the trauma story, like if you could watch Netflix yeah, and, and realize that that's the story that's still being played out in mainstream media, in our television services. And we don't realize that that, perpetuates the pattern within the subconscious mind. Uh -huh. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good Netflix show, so I'm not going to throw stones. Yeah. But that's not what I mean. It's just becoming aware that we're actually continuing to perpetuate that. Because uh -huh. I've watched, like, I, I used to love to go from the high to the low, to the high to the low. And I wonder how much I prided myself on that. Uh -huh. And Instead of seeing it like a comedic act, right? If you can watch Shameless and find it funny, then you know you've evolved, right? Right. Because the world is a big stage play and I'm wondering how much role each of us choose to play in that. Yeah, it, it does shift your perspective when you start thinking through that lens of role. And, you know, like that kind of brings us back to that, back to that conversation again around, yeah, what role am I playing? And it's not to deny what has happened in the past. No, no. Yeah. It, like we still, we, we recognize that that happened. Trauma has happened to, to us, to generations who came before us. Yes. And what is our, what is our capability now of changing the story? Yes. Yes. Changing the story, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you see yourself as the author of your own life, then you get to, you get to write the story. Yeah. If you're the author. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you write the story, what comes to mind though is when we still write the story and we're trying to control other people in our story. Yeah. 
then we're not writing the story, folks. That's like trying to get the happy ending. Mm -hmm. So we write our story and then expect the people around us, right, to perform mm -hmm. in a certain way because they're not fitting into my story. Then, then we have a problem, which is probably how most wars have been started. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, I think that's a really important distinction and point to make though, because, oh God, do we ever want to control the, like the characters around us, right? We want to, it's, we want to be yeah. the main character <laughs> and we want to make the decisions for everybody else so that the main character gets their happy ending, right? And My prima donna <laughs> comes out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and like, it would be so much easier were that the case, but then we have some, we, but we have all of these competing authors because everybody's trying to write their own story. And that's where friction happens, right. Or, com or comparison or, um, actually I had a little rant this morning, uh, because in my workout, the trainer was trying to do some mindset work and the mindset this trainer was creating was that to be um, excellent, you have to work harder than everyone else. You have, nah, yeah, no. you have to like, you have to perform more. You have to be more, you have to. And it was this constant ranking. And I found myself just yelling, stop it, stop it, stop telling that story. Yep. Because as long as we continue to set that up, that I can, I only exist in relation and comparison to someone else, that only continues to build that narrative of competition, of yep. I only and exactly that. I only exist because somebody else is better or worse than me. And I'm comparing myself on either side. Yep. And that is the envy cycle, right? It's that is actually the story that creates separation between humans rather than turning inward, knowing, like you said earlier, I have value because I exist. Full stop. Full stop. And when we can get to that point, then I don't have to feel envious of the person beside me. I don't feel like I have to be better than them. What I want is for all of us to come to, to rise up together. 100%. And the only slight tweak mm -hmm. is I think our owner's own responsibility is to rise up within ourselves. Yeah. Yes. There's a, a trick. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Let me know, Lisa, later if I was wrong. That the egoic mind wants to play. That still has an expectation that if I rise up within myself, that I must take others along mm. the rise up as well. And so this is um, a questioning. No mm -hmm. idea. Okay, within myself, is that also offers what might call a false level of illusion or a false level of struggle or a false level of consciousness that it's our job to do it anywhere else except within ourselves. And uh -huh. then within that, there's a natural, um, let's say, 
curiosity or role that each of us can play that then by osmosis will impact other people. Mm -hmm. But there's been a questioning within me lately, even deeper. Do we even have to take anybody else along for the ride? Mm -hmm. So that's just one of the things that kind of hit me when you said that. Mm -hmm. And I deeply feel that when you ask that question. Yeah. 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 Because we are, if we're working toward our own internal sovereignty. Correct. Right. Then we just need to, we need to do that (laughs) to be ourselves and let everybody else around us be themselves and, and get to their own story, go where they are going, whether it's where we think everybody should be going or not kind of like the stage my my partner uh, said the best analogy i wanted to punch him when he told me this story so you could tell the struggle with him he's like so if you look at life like a stage and you get on the stage and you play your role but then you get on the stage and you start to interfere with mm-hmm. another actor's role the 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 conductor or the uh-huh. director comes in and goes cut 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 now listen andrea your role is not bob's role your role is your own. You, you, you're, you, you have no right to go in and interfere with Bob's role on the stage. So let's try this again. And this is where we really, <laughs> uh, I have observed, feel that we have the right, even myself, to interfere in other people's roles. Um, instead of focusing on our own. doesn't mean we don't share and connect and provide opportunities to reflect, but it isn't our job to project our realities onto other people. They must, we must learn within ourselves. Uh-huh. And this to me is true human evolution, giving each other permission to learn inside of ourselves. Uh-huh. Yeah. You've got me thinking about a lot of things. Sorry, <laughs> and that, it's a thing. <laughs> no, it's the best thing. It's why these conversations are so important because you you live from your own lens and your own experience. And it's only through yes. conversation that you get to hear another perspective. And when you were talking, what I was thinking was this, well, fuck, and doesn't that just free us up? If we're not constantly trying to heal everyone else and, and when you really start to examine that as well, if I feel like I have to heal someone else, I am writing what I think they need to have healed. 100%. Which probably has nothing to do with them and still has everything to do with me. Yep. Yeah. It's why it's why in my coaching work, I don't write a curriculum. I don't write a program. Right. Right. Because that would be about me. I would be I would be laying (laughs) my healing journey on the people that I am supporting on their own healing journey. And that's not it. That's not it. It has to be about you. And yeah. And freedom. Doesn't that just free us up? when we're not trying to create a story for everyone else around us. Yeah. And the only reason I can share this is because I lived it. Right. Mm -hmm. So my sense is that's almost what killed me. Yeah. 
is I spent a lot of time, well, we can say fuck, we can say this, mm -hmm. masturbating in other people's realities. Mm. That's a, uh, mm -hmm. something a girlfriend gave me once and it really rung true. Yeah. Is I spend a lot of time in the should of every other reality except my own. Yeah. And so it was like giving leaky gut, giving away my energy. And so the freedom comes when you reclaim that energetic homeostasis. Sometimes it swings mm -hmm. right in a pendulum from under giving to over getting, giving, yep. right? That's just the journey, right? But then coming fully into alignment within ourselves um, and learning what that feels like and what that acts like and what that actually translates into our worlds because it does provide a very different lens we do not realize how much we're seeing the world through our own lens uh -huh. and that in so many ways really starts to lay the groundwork for the fear culture that we're living in right now in so many ways in what way? In that, like when you're, when you are constantly trying to look outside of yourself, if something looks different from what you think it should be, then that triggers a fear in you and you feel like that's something you, that you have to fix or that it's wrong or that it's, that it needs to be the way that you think it should be. And we see that playing out in such intense ways in our world right now. Well, that's the beauty and the magic, mm -hmm. right? Also, though, of a duality. Yes. Uh, consciousness is that's the way the world's been set. And it, it brings to mind an analogy years ago that came to me. It was like the three little pigs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it really hood home. So we build our house, our foundation on the external reality around us. Mm -hmm. And so every time there's a shift in the world or in a family situation or in a partnership situation, our world within ourselves crumbles because we placed it with hooks in mm -hmm. others, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can create that strong foundation, which many of us have been taught that's selfish to do, mm -hmm within ourselves, then when the world shifts and the next catastrophe happens or uh -huh. the next whatever, we're not rocked within ourselves. It doesn't mean we're ignoring uh -huh. it, but we're vibrationally not, you know, convulsing after we see the next world event because we can see a strength or come from a strength within ourselves. And, you know, most of the, the biggest teachings in metaphysics and um, spirituality, however you want to frame that, really are coming from that inner foundation mm -hmm. of love within yeah. ourselves and then rippling out what we wish to do and create in the world. Otherwise, we're creating on a faulty foundation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is that is key. And I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to repeat it because I really want people to hear that. Right. You're creating from a faulty foundation if you're not coming from a place of deeply loving self. Yep. Yeah. And being deeply yep. connected and caring in real ways for this self. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you kind of brought it around to that with the, I I'm fascinated to know about what you are studying in your PhD in metaphysics. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, so the, so the core foundational piece is, unconditional love 
So, which means to me, love within myself. And then how do you love in this world that seems so not based in love? And the PhD part is very much a little bit like what we just said about highlighting some of the patterns and stories that have been playing out within humanity to try to reverse the victim, let's call it perception or the poor me perception or the egoic need to control because uh -huh. I've lived that too, the opposite of trying to control everything because we feel we need to dominate instead of just getting to understand that when we can let go in however you do it, right? of those patterns of fear, scarcity, lack, and loss within oneself, that becomes the precipice and the tipping point at which we can actually facilitate, facilitate systemic change first within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so there are certain tools that we're working with right now that we're actually going to do a bit of a study. I don't care what tool you use to actually show what can happen when we hit that tipping point. Um, within change within ourselves. So I didn't always realize that I was living a story. Okay. Right. Like I didn't realize that I was living a pattern. I've had a lot of experiences, deep awarenesses to make me realize this. And some call this the study of consciousness or the study of love or metaphysics, however you freeze that. But my sense is that I really wish to simplify this and make it light and fun by using my own examples. So mm -hmm. we'll have some fun with that. Right to get people to just realize that's what's happening. And if they want change, the job is just to get out of the story. And so that really got me excited um, because I, I spent a lot of my life thinking there was something wrong with me. So that's what's motivated it, right? Like I'm probably the largest self-critic likely on the planet. Um, I judged a lot of myself not realizing I was auto responding to the roles and the responsibilities and the paradoxes and the paradigms. And so I went, Oh God, you mean there really is nothing wrong with me. I did spend nine years in, with a psychologist trying to piece together. Like, I know I'm brilliant. I love my life. I have all these parts. What the fuck is wrong with me? And I realized it was just me undoing all of that and getting back to me and living my own story. And so that's the simplest reason. I mean, that's why it excites me because I do have this wacky do academic side, but that wants to simplify it uh -huh. for people. And that's what this PhD is about. It's not to try and get hoity-toity or make things complicated, but to actually challenge myself to see if I can simplify this for other people in uh -huh. my podcasts and my stories so that they can begin to also see how they can transition from a disempowered state to this freedom state in themselves to which we're speaking today. Yeah, that is really powerful work. And I really appreciate the stance of simplification because <laughs> <Try it. laughs> because it's not e that's not easy, right? When you're, I mean, it is and it isn't. Yep. I, I would imagine. No, it is and it isn't. Yeah. Um, because we like to, oh, I like to make things complicated too. So mm -hmm. the challenge to myself is to see if I can articulate the simplicity and the not simplicity uh -huh. 
in this and it's interesting because the alignment and the hilarity is i used to teach taxation at the university of toronto right and that's a topic most people avoid at the best times <laughs> of their lives even the accountants right yeah and what drove me was the same thing how could i teach what is actually a very simple topic that's steeped in fear and lack and scarcity nobody wants to take on in canada be revenue canada or the irs right because they think it's like this false illusion and it's not, it's just a bunch of rules uh -huh. that if you could interpret and go, wait a second, that's not so complicated. I think I could actually do that. Then everyone would. Well, that's how I feel uh -huh. about life. We've forgotten the simplicity of our stories and what they're doing to ourselves. Uh -huh. Yeah. That's a really important mind frame because especially in the world of academia, because as you said, we love to make it so fucking complicated. And in many ways, I am coming to understand that it's a tool of oppression. Interesting. Right. The more complicated you can make something, the more, just like you said, with the tax, like just the word taxation. And I'm like, ah, hi, <laughs> this was fun. <laughs> However, um, it is that it is creating barriers that tell us that it's harder than it actually is. Right. Right. So it creates, it creates barriers for people that they think that they can't break through. And that is, and that is where the oppression lies. And, and also, and speaking from my personal experience, because I am a skeptical spiritual person because of my academic, because of my academic training. And yes, it serves a purpose because I'm constantly questioning. So I, I don't, I don't just fall into things blindly. Touchdown. Yeah. And at the same time, it makes it so much more complicated than it needs to be because I really don't need to question everything all the time. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> this I understand. Yes. And yet here I am constantly questioning. Well, there's a beauty in the questioning uh -huh. if we don't um, hold on to the story. And that's been the hardest thing as I think in the academic world, we're taught that we need to know. Uh -huh. Uh, I very much prided myself on the need to know and becoming a quote professional. I use that with loose terms mm -hmm. because there is a beauty, right? In really understanding. And I did enjoy it. Like I'm a nerd at heart. Mm -hmm. I will admit that I found the taxation world extremely interesting. And in hindsight, I can actually understand energetically why it was built. And I will not continue to perpetuate the story that it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm doesn't mean like anything else it doesn't need love right but you know every story can be twisted one way or the other and so taxation is just another story that can be perpetuated as good or bad uh -huh. um and why do we consistently make it a bad thing uh -huh. and so when i shifted from priding myself of the needing to know and constantly needing to find that part of me and then letting go and surrendering and allowing that doesn't, that's why the metaphysical degree hit me scurvy. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like I've already been through that journey in my life. Yep. Why the fuck <laughs> would I do that again? Yeah. But for me, 
metaphysics is a passion. Even mm -hmm. my partner says, you're the biggest nerd I've ever met in that regard, because there's something inside of me that's truly wanting to explore that. So for me, the need to know or the quest to know when it's coming from an innate inner, like, Ooh, what's that? Like, what's that all about? Mm -hmm. That's great. I don't really care in the moment how bananas are grown. I don't need to feed that side of me. And that may be a simple example, but I think we come here to explore what does get us excited. It could be how to grow trees. It could be how to change the climate system. Like all those things are super cool things. Mm -hmm. But when we're doing that from our own inner excitement, like NASA scientists, or how do I pick up garbage? I really don't care mm -hmm. what brings that to you. Right. Mm -hmm. But listening to that is what I think brings us life, mm. brings us joy when we get back to that concept. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time, hun, to find that joy within me. So these, you know, PhDs or theses, whatever the hell I'm writing that God knows I never thought I'd be doing, actually give me an orgasm. So I know I'm on the right track, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's not because I'm trying to prove anymore. And it took me time to reconcile this. I did a lot of trying to prove uh -huh. things outside of me. And I'm just continuously tuning in. Am I doing this because I want to do this? Not because the world dictates this is what I need to be to be successful or who I am. Uh -huh. And isn't that the question? Yeah, there's the best question of them all, given the question discussion we just had. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. that is the heart of all of the questions. Is this what I truly want? Yeah. Yeah. And when you can listen to that, then life is good. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's to go to um, simple, go to a bar and have a glass of wine with friends. Like, it doesn't need to be complicated. Back to the complicated story, yeah. right? It's just really listening to what I want. I mean, I remember my son in university saying, mom, again, how do I know whether I should be out socializing or out studying? Um, and I said to him, nobody can tell you that. Uh -huh. Your job is to listen to what it is that you want in your life and not let the external environment tell you what that is. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So I think that is the perfect place to leave it with that question, right? To sit with what is it that you truly want, want. internally? Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much for this. This has been a fascinating conversation. The hour flew by. And uh, all of the, any links that you have. So for listeners to know for what's the name of your podcast? Uh, the Love Experiment, interestingly. Ooh, yes. Uh, hosted by Love Evolution on, it's on Spotify right now and Apple. Those are the only two places. I just started it. Mm -hmm. Again, really tuning into what do I actually want to create and still don't think I have to. Mm -hmm. um, so you can tune in there too and have some fun. Yeah. And I will put yep. the links to that podcast in the show notes. So oh, all of the resources cool. for how to access both Andrea or how to access myself, those links will all be in the show, in the show notes. So thank you very, thank you very much for this very well spent time. And thanks for opening the door for other people to listen. That's exciting, hun. Really getting people to tune into themselves this way is magical. Yes, it is. 
Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Welcome to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing today.